0: interesting about that is there's economic instruction in that speech right okay which i think a lot of people slept on because king was just beginning to evolve in terms of understanding economics particularly when he went and uh, criticized u.s involvement in the vietnam war because he felt those resources were being taken away from the war on poverty here in America. Right. Okay. And that's when he became persona non grata, even in his inner circle.
1: I would dare say that he became persona non grata before, because even though he came from a church, the church really wasn't rocking with him or the civil rights activities in general, In general, you know, Mm. uh, you know, right now you hear a lot of people, you know, pass on the mythology that the civil rights movement started in the black church. Nah, it started with some pastors. Yeah, possibly, uh, Mm. primarily. Yeah. But the churches in general, particularly our churches, were like, nah, y'all doing too much.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think the biggest criticism was how the youth were being used uh hmm. in those demonstrations they're saying well you're you're putting our youth at risk um we're always having to use money in fact one of king's biggest uh critics believe it or not was AG Gaston
1: the the multimillionaire
0: mm-hmm. because cuz Gaston Gaston comes from that Booker T Washington school um even though he he bought into the not really the the, the accommodationist part, but the self-reliance part and the economic empowerment part, okay? And he felt like, um, and I don't know if it was Gaston or someone else. So when the Montgomery bus boycott crippled uh, the Montgomery bus company, I want to say it was Gaston or somebody else who came into King's study and says, now we can take over. Bus company, but King wasn't there yet in terms of economic
1: empowerment. Wow, yeah. Well, I tell you what, Zumbi man, this is our annual Dr. King. What's good, fam? As real as they come, we have some other family in the room. Halito, what's up, John, son? Halito, brother. Uh, oh, Pasa. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in order to dream, one must first be sleep, Passer. <laughs> mm. okay. Peace be well. Peace to the family. What's good, fam? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. The Civil Rights Movement technically started in 1866, and by the time Malcolm Martin and our parents' nim time was like the sixth iteration. Thank you, Todd. All right. And uh, Peace and Love, Peace and Love, Musicland HQ. You know what it's time to do. It's time to get on code, and this one is our annual conversation about the honorable dr martin luther king jr we do this every year because people got it faded you know they talk a whole lot of crazy stuff about dr king they've watered down dr king and it's up to us to keep the uh the true revolutionary alive in us you know what i'm saying so as we say you know it's time to get on code Get on code, become the code, teach the code. Our code is empowerment. So let's get on code. All right. Welcome to Get on Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth and knowledge itself. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to.
2: And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans.
0: But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics.
1: It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth.
0: So we can build wealth, but we just for some reason don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine, that means nothing. What were you told
1: as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. All right, Dr. King's dreams and nightmares. And you know what, Zumbi, I I had to keep it a buck. I had to go hip hop with this, man. Are you familiar with Meek Mill's um, magnum opus entitled Dreams and Nightmares? No. No. All right. Ain't this what y'all been waiting for? Y'all ready? I used to pray for times like this to rhymes like this. So I had to grind like this, that to shine like this. We got to grind, y'all. It's grind time, y'all. We got to put in the work, right? In a matter of time, I spent on some locked up. Hey, look, our people were held back. You know, whatever term you want to go with, we dealt with some uh, hesitation, some domination. We dealt with some evil that had, you know, that really locked us up. It was like we were in the back of a paddy wagon. You know, we were kind of locked up, Our, our wrists were cuffed. But now, now it's time to marry the game. And what's the game? The game is improvement. What's the game? The game is empowerment. If you want it, you got to see it with a clear-eyed view. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're making sure that you get that fresh water, that clear water. You know what I'm saying? Like the, uh, the prophet Elijah Muhammad said, that clear water. Cause, look, we got a shorty, and they trying to bless you. What's the shorty? Empowerment. That's the shorty. The shorty is empowerment. And so today we're going to deal with empowerment as it relates to Dr. King. So you weren't familiar with that magnum opus, uh, dreams and nightmares.
0: No, not at, not at all.
1: That part, (laughs) that part. Yes. It was, uh, I mean, it's it's a banger. It's a banger in the clubs, by the way. A banger in the clubs, by the way. So, (laughs) in dealing with Dr. King, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is we really water down the brother. Mm -hmm. We really water Dr. King down. And one of the things that you were just talking about is the truth of the matter that we all kind of grow in empowerment. Right. So, In the in the height of the civil rights movement, Dr. King wasn't as focused on empowerment in the beginning as he was towards the end. Mm. Is that what I'm getting from you, brother?
0: Yeah. And this may sound weird to people, but if you look at King's evolution, uh, there's a similar parallel to Malcolm's evolution. And here's what I mean by this. When King was brought into the movement, he was only 26 years old and he was reluctant to really be in this movement. He was more of a theological, spiritual leader where he was challenging America's moral compass. Now, as he evolved, he began to deal more with How does this thing work? You know, how does this thing work politically? How does this thing work economically? How do things connect with one another? Okay. And I think that's where he became, quote unquote, more of a threat because he wanted to deal with the nuts and bolts of things and strategize of how to, you know, how to combat that, even though he was still... Uh, theologically rooted in his leadership, he began to evolve uh, to where he struck a balance between the theology and the everyday practical uh, needs of the people.
1: Yeah, I truly agree. I mean, he said, this country has socialism for the rich, rugged individualism for the poor. So he's like, y'all hypocritical our country is hypocritical. So when he started out, you know, like you were saying, he may have been more churchy. <laughs> well, you
0: know? I, I wouldn't even say churchy. That's why I said he's he was more of a spiritual and, and 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 here's another thing that I think we need to have a reassessment of king about, okay? How many Christian preachers would have stood with Muhammad Ali and supported him in his opposition to the Vietnam war as a conscientious objector. Okay. How many Christian preachers would have endorsed and nominated a Vietnamese Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh mm-hmm. for the Nobel Peace prize. So these are certain things about King that are kind of glossed over or are left out of the uh, assessment of his legacy.
1: Well, I, I particularly love this quote because as you stated earlier, he thought outside the box. He did things outside of the, the churchy box. Mm-hmm. You know, now I do think in the beginning he was a little churchy. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being churchy. You know, I'm a <laughs> I'm a pastor's <laughs> kid, I'm a PK, right? I'm okay. a preacher's kid. Um, but when he started talking, like you were saying earlier, that he started saying some revolutionary stuff like, hey, you have two forms of governance socialism for the rich. So we're going to take care of the rich people. We're going to give the rich people every, all the tax breaks. We're going to make sure that everything on their political agenda is taken care of. We're going to look out for the rich, but then we're going to tell the poor folk, Hey, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You know, it's your fault that you Pope, (laughs) Mm. that you have to do something. And that's, that's, there's a truth to that. But in other words, there was welfare for the rich, and there was a the middle finger for the poor.
0: Yeah, and if you look at how this country is designed, it's it's exactly that. You know, welfare for the rich. It may go under other names, but we just call a spade a spade.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, one of the things that I'm I'm going to do and. We're gonna get a, a hit on YouTube for this. <laughs> YouTube might take us down, but mm. one of the things I find interesting when we talk about dreams and nightmares, Dr. King, that Dr. Mm. King lie to us. That's a question: I, is, Did he lie to us? Did his strategies get us where we needed to go? You know, mm. did he did did he give us a false sense of security? He said he did. You mm. know, a lot of times. People will tout the I have a dream speech and that was what 1963 mm-hmm. but in 1967 he's like ah, I got it all wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. I take it back and some people when I say that don't believe me so let's hear it from the uh, proverbial of course, his mouth
3: my poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character I must confess that uh that dream that I had that day has, at many points, turned into a nightmare. Now, I'm not one to lose hope. I keep on hoping. Uh, I still have faith in the future. But I've had to analyze many things over the last few years, and I would say over the last few months, I've gone through a lot of soul such and agonizing moments. And I've come to see that uh, we have uh, many more difficult days ahead, And some of the old optimism was a little superficial, and now it must be tempered with a solid realism. And I think the realistic fact is that we still have a long, long way to go. I think the biggest problem now is that we got our gains over the last 12 years at bargain rates, so to speak. It uh, didn't cost the nation anything. In fact, it helped the economic side of the nation to integrate lunch counters and public accommodations. It didn't cost the nation anything uh, to get uh, the right to vote established. And now we are confronting issues that cannot be solved without costing the nation billions of dollars. Now, I think this is... Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Without causing costing our nation billions of dollars. Yo, he was like cut the check. Yo, Dr. Mm. King was cut the check before cut the check was cut the check.
0: Mm. Well, I I think what he also saw. So let's take August 28th, 1963. Okay. Okay. Everybody was in this euphoria. You know, he gave the I have a dream speech, which was really A reparation speech, if you listen to the entire speech. Okay. His evolution from that point forward, which included his criticism of the Vietnam War, resources that were going towards the Vietnam War instead of the war on poverty that President Johnson had promised that he would wage war on. And I think as he traveled, particularly throughout the North, he began to see that, like he talked about, that there were things that had to be addressed that couldn't be addressed from a moral perspective, that we had to, I think King started asking himself, okay, how do I deal with the basic human needs of the people, the food, the clothing, the shelter, the employment, just those four things right there how do I deal with those basic needs to ensure that uh, working class people can have, can live lives of human dignity, you know, to where they can feel a sense of self-reliance and self-sufficiency.
1: True that, true that. And I I tell you, this is one of the things that we miss and that American society intentionally does not share, mm-hmm. you know, it does not share this. You know, the right. fact that he said, you know, in 1967, yo, I had it wrong in 1963, mm-hmm. you know, we were, we were superficial. Right. <laughs> right. We need to be realists. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's what well, we get. We got people pushing us on the dream piece. Yeah. And, you know, as as uh, one of our people said earlier, "Kid Rocks, Kick Rocks." Rather, in order to dream, one must be first sleep passer. <laughs> mm. So you know, you know, it, it's interesting that that's what America sells us, mm-hmm. and it's important that we do the research, we do the precise thinking ourselves, so we can see what's really going on. Because there's a lot of trick bags. Actually, I really thought about calling this show tonight. Watch out for the trick bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you familiar with the house song? Watch out for the big girl.
3: No. Oh, no. no.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to remix and be like, Watch out for the trick bag. Watch out for the trick bag. That's what okay. we're going to do right now. Watch out for the trick bag. Because the trick bag is coming. The trick bag is coming. Kind of like the Soul Train line is coming, mm, right? Yes. <laughs> let yes. me let, let me share with you what I mean by the uh trick bag is coming because there are a lot of our are concerned Caucasian brothers and sisters who are using Dr. King and using a section of him and trying to use that for the trick bag. And they're saying crazy things. And look, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm.
2: Roughly 250 years, just hold on to that number, 250 years, we treated fellow human beings made in the image of God as if they were animals and sometimes worse than we treat our own animals. The Constitution was written by wealthy men, intelligent men, supposedly God-fearing men, but eight out of the first- The Constitution was not written by wealthy men, it was written by wealthy white men
0: that distinction is kind of important to the conversation. Press play.
2: First 12 presidents of the United States were slave owners. They were slave owners. Now you can be, build all kind of anonymous, how people treat their slaves like family and all that, but it is, it is brutality and is evil any way you look at it. And now we see Dr. King came along with Billy Graham and maybe internationally Winston Churchill, Dr. Martin Luther King was the most influential individual in the 20th century by far. But Ed, tell your white congregants why. That we're proud to be American. I'm proud to be American. but we can't overlook this disastrous history at the same time, all important. The color of your face says all of those in the woke agenda what does that mean that if you were born black or some other color that defines who you are and you are listen to me carefully automatically a racist by being white nice
1: try we ain't falling for the banana in the tailpipe press play
2: everything is tragically defined by racism, how different that is from Dr. Martin Luther King's understanding of the racial challenges we had in America then and we progressed a great deal, but we still have some ways to go, but how far that we have come. You see, he would tell us as we know The color of your face doesn't determine your character and who you are and really you'll discover doesn't say much about you and me did you know that all of our physical assets ears nose mouth body make up 0.012 of who we are is that any big deal about you or about me that Color is all important of your skin. And Martin Luther King dreamed of a certain kind of America. I think we were getting there with, not fast enough, 350 years of bigotry by leadership across the board is too much, folks. We can't deny that. We can't run from that. But we were getting there. And we're getting there because a lot of churches, Christians, That's how slavery got eliminated. In England, it was Wilberforce. In here, it was Uncle Tom's cabin. In here, it was Henry Ward Beecher and others who stood against the evil and deadliness of racism. Oh yes, it was through the Church, when people awaken to see that in the Bible we are one in Jesus Christ, period, selah. When they began to preach that and see that, that's where racism was eliminated and still being healed.
1: <laughs> racism was eliminated. Well, and still being healed. See, I'm telling you, it's the trick bag. <clears throat> trick bag is coming. Let's let's keep it a buck here. Okay. <laughs>
0: Before Malcolm emerged, King was considered a militant, communistic so-and-so, okay? Once Malcolm and the Nation of Islam showed up on the scene, now white folks had a choice, okay? (laughs) Do I deal with somebody who will slap me back like Sidney Poitier? Or do I deal with someone who will let me put my foot in their ass without any concern of retaliation or retribution? Okay. So there are certain things we have to keep in context. The only reason why white folks gravitated towards King because we didn't want to deal with Malcolm. Okay. And then if we fast forward, when King realized the mistakes he made, that's when he opened the door for a young Trinidadian, then known as Stokely Carmichael, now Kwame Touré. Because King, even though he may not have agreed with the premise of black power, he knew that civil disobedience had already run its course and a new generation was going to come with a different with a different process
1: right and that's when you started hearing him say things like you know society has done something special against us for hundreds of years and now must Mm -hmm. do something special for us you know that's when we start talking about reparations that's Mm -hmm. i'm sorry Let, let me clarify that's when king started talking about acts that can repair the situation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, back in the 1800s was the first movement for reparation. So King didn't start that. I'm not I'm not initiating Mm -hmm. or saying Mm -hmm. that. But that's when he started talking about there have to be some reparative actions for what happened to our people. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And I think King. and, And that's why I was saying with with King, King understood that. The new generation wasn't going to stand for what they had to deal with uh you know the whole thing with bull connor and everything else when when he thought that the goal the real goal was desegregation it wasn't integration integration came when you know all these white liberals started pumping money in and they basically got in front of what became the march on washington And you basically diluted the real message, which was reparations.
1: Hey, the same thing just happened with, I'm not a fan of BLM, I'm not pushing Mm. BLM, but Mm. the same thing happened with the movement for Black Lives and the marches that happened in 2020, 2019, 2018, 2021, you know, with those uprisings and movements. We had people getting in front of the Activities, pushing their own agendas. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm not promoting or supporting BLM, but you saw that same thing happen where people got in front and pushed their own Mm -hmm. agendas and it changed. So now it just changed the whole tenor of what was happening. And many of those people and many of those groups, Mm -hmm. as soon as they got what they wanted, disappeared.
0: And and there's a parallel between uh, what happened, you know, 1963 March on Washington and what we saw happen in Ferguson uh, with the assassination of Michael Brown, both started at a grassroots level. It was the grassroots who were looking to initiate change from the ground up. And like you said, when Other groups came in and basically hijacked the movement. And and you'll hear uh, young brother Darren Shields uh, talk about what had happened with the hijacking of that movement where it went from being about what I would call domestic terrorism or what's commonly called police brutality to something else. And then you look at all of what I call the blood money that was really made off the off the blood of Michael Brown and then subsequently others who were who were uh murdered at the hands of law enforcement.
1: Yeah, 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 and and mm. it's the banana in the tailpipe. Right. It's the banana in the tailpipe. And Dr. King toward the end of his uh his his works. Mm-hmm. As we're saying, and this is what we're pushing tonight. We're pushing that (sighs) Dr. King, toward the end of his work, started sharing and singing a new song. Mm -hmm. And that's the song that we need to continue. So I know that, you know, the the bootstraps piece is something that you really push into, brother. You want to dive deep into this?
0: Let's see. It's
1: It's all all right right to tell a man to lift himself by his own bootstraps.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: but it
1: is a cruel jest to say a bootless man that he off to lift himself by his own bootstraps.
0: Right. And here's another thing uh, that King did. King heightened the contradictions because I think what, what King pointed out post March on Washington was the hypocrisy because he understood that things were systemic, um, There's a clip where King is in a church where he breaks down about how farmers were given subsidies and other forms of funding to either not farm or to help them get started on different types of farming. You see, so when he talked about the whole thing about bootstrapping, and that goes back to the quote that you had earlier about socialism for the rich. Okay, so how do you tell a man who's barefoot to pull himself up by his bootstraps, but yet you bring all of these resources to other people to where they were able to get such a head start? And then we basically start with less than nothing.
1: And in many cases, we we were, you know, we still are rebuilding <clears> from <throat> these these, these acts, these acts of domestic terrorism that mm. were sanctioned and supported by the United States government. Right. Right? Right. Right, right. So mm. we, we've been fighting back and rebounding from these acts of terrorism, as well as redlining and other acts that stripped us of land, that stripped us of wealth, that stripped mm-hmm. us of legacy. Right. You know, um, and so that's why we got to have this conversation tonight and we need to spread this word that, Hey, it's not just the dream. The dream was just like a snap in time. Mm. 1963. He shared his dream. 1967. He said, I got it all wrong. Mm. Here's the new mission. Here's the new mission. Hey, um, Todd make says, I have a question. Can anyone pinpoint where the domestic push for reparations by folks like Callie house, Queen Mother Moore, MLK, shift from Adolf-centric to all Afro-centric. I think he's um, asking when did... Well, his, his question is quite clear. So you're the historian, you're the researcher. You know, when did groups like INCOBRA start really pushing their agenda that, you know, reparations should be for all of us rather than Ooh. the descendants those who are enslaved now what i have on the screen right now is from 1897 okay this is the national ex-slave mutual relief bounty and pension association of the united Mm. states of america so in 1897 a group of ex-slaves organized by lh dickerson in 1897 in Nashville, Tennessee, started mm. this organization. And this is one of the first reparation movements. Mm, okay. And they had their own pen. They had their own stuff. I mean, this this is nothing new. Nothing right. new. Nothing new. We're not saying you're nothing new. But in, in your studies, good brother, because I can't really tell you when that in Cobra ideology of that everybody gets it. Everybody who looks like us, who might be connected mm. to us, can get benefit. I'm not sure when that started, and that's kind of off topic for Martin Luther King, but mm. you know, sister brother asked a question. You know,
0: yeah. From from my um, at least from my research, I would have to start it with Queen Mother Moore. Okay, because when when she was pushing the whole reparations movement, that was ter- That was during the time of uh, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, when he began launching the UNIA when he came to the States. Okay. And I think when you look at groups like in Cobra, I think what they did was they built on the legacy of uh, Queen Mother Moore and expanded. Okay. So I would have to start, for me, I would have to start with what Queen Mother Moore laid down first. And then, and then you know, you know, move forward. Um, I can't say exactly when in Cobra started. Um, I'm not too familiar with its uh history. You know, you hear the name, but I would for me, I would have to start with Queen Mother Moore, uh, when she was doing it uh during the Garvey movement.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Now, I tell you what, um. The brother Todd says that it was in the same clip from the church we played earlier. Uh, Head writes Grant. I, I'm gonna have to look that up because I just saw the name Callie. Okay. Callie House. So Callie let me House, look that okay. up. All right. I, I wasn't familiar with that. So T. L. L. I. E. H. O. U. S. E. Oh. Oh, yeah, so I was just I was just showing that <laughs> Cali oh, House okay. was OK. All right. That's right. One of the things about the uh, National Ex-Slave Mutual Relief Bounty and Pension Association um, mm. was even though our H.L. Uh, Dickerson started it. It was okay. this queen who really pushed heavily for it. Hmm. Okay. You know, we got to push this. Hmm. Mm. We got to push okay. this. Yeah, so this is this is another conversation, <clears throat> but I really wanted to bring that up to kind of deal with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Todd's question about can anybody pinpoint when the domestic push for reparations move from an Adolf-centric or an FBA-centric to all Afro-centric? And that's something i are going to have to look into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so yes. don teasy are we going to address the incident in 64 when mlk was yeah um no i would say no i would say no hey I, I, look mlk was a dude <laughs> okay he, that's you know that,
0: that's that might, new to me that's new to you yeah that's that's new to me I, you know i'm like
1: Wow. Look, I, I've heard some things of that nature, but to be honest, the way I looked at it, you know, I had a hard time. I had a hard time with it. that. That doesn't come out right, <laughs> when I finished the sentence. I was gonna say I had a hard time walking away from going with you know some of my brothers to the strip club. So, mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know the bachelor parties. I had a hard time walking away from those situations. So, uh. I don't know if that's true or not. Don Am I'm not saying that you're lying. You know, Don Teezy is saying the message that happened, bro. Um, but we're not going to address it because what we're focused on tonight is not that he may have been chasing some white, you know, white chicks around in a hotel lobby. What we're dealing with tonight, Don Teezy, is how we can use the latter message of empowerment mm. that he was focusing on to change the narrative about Dr. King and also to change our situation. Mm. You know, I want to drop this into the, uh, into the ether. Okay. Prophet Noble Drew Ali in 1927 said, we should keep firmly in mind the necessity of keeping each dollar spent as much as possible within the spheres of our own activities where they will create further openings of business enterprises and wider Mm. opportunities for the men and women of our group to procure Mm. soundly remunerative employment Mm. forward must be the watchword of the seller and buyer alike. Mm. We make the money and we spend the cash. Mm. Let us sincerely cooperate one with the other. Mm. Our plight will change when we change ourselves. Mm. Okay, that's the kind of thing that Dr. King started talking about toward the end of his mission. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate, good brother?
0: There's a I don't know if, if people are familiar with this particular quote that King said. King said that the Negro had been conditioned to pay for what he wants and beg for what he needs. That's King. Okay. And what King began to understand is is that if I'm going to help fight this war on poverty, it's going to require resources and it's going to also require a shift in consciousness from being consumer to producer. Okay, that's why I said he be he started becoming more pragmatic. And started dealing with the real everyday uh, situations of, you know, working class people. And he also began to understand that when people begin to, uh, that when people begin to produce for themselves, it changes their
1: mentality. True that, true
0: that. Okay. There's a, there's a confidence that, um. you know, because now you feel that you're bringing value to a larger audience.
1: Now, is that to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? Because, you know, that's what we get smacked in the face with. But see, that's, I'll it to you this way. People who come
0: come with that, they really don't mean that. That's kind of a way of shaming us. Because if we really came up by our bootstraps, the one thing is this. You never want your consumer to become your competitor.
1: You know, I would agree. That's kind of like a White Lives Matter. <laughs> check. It, it, it's, check. yeah, check. You know, it's, it's just one of the things that it's like, shut up. It's, now, as real as they come says, our dollar doesn't stay in the community more than six hours. You know what? Mm. You know what? I got to do it. I got to do it. Check it out. Within the so-called Black community, money circulates. In other words, stays in the community one day. In our uh, Latino community, it stays in one week, seven days, all right? And in the Asian community, 30 days, and, you know, Jewish community, a little more than that. And then the general white community stays in there for unmeasurable amount of time. So the HR Green Book is ours. All right. So I-, I wanted to highlight, you know, one of the activities that one of my groups is doing. We're putting together a online app and directory of our businesses, organizations and professionals, so that yeah. our money can circulate a little longer and a little stronger. That's that's our focus, right. to make sure our money circulates a little longer and a little stronger. So, mm. you know, yeah. Don Teezy, yo, Don Teezy came back. Uh, I feel like the people in the audience in that church weren't listening to his understanding, his understanding, and his message. So, do you think that some of the things that King said just went over folks said?
0: Well, the th- the thing that I've come to learn is this. Sometimes you just have to plant the seed and keep moving. Okay. Okay. Because you plant the seed and it it may take some time for it to germinate. Okay. So like if I were to take five watermelon seeds and I put them all in the same ground, give them the same water, Give them the same sunshine, etc., each seed will grow at its own pace. Okay. So what King may have, you know, planted in the minds of the people, it may not
1: manifest for, you know, who knows, maybe months, maybe years. I would say that some of those things are manifesting and you know, everyone's using the word manifest now manifesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But those things are coming to fruition or they're blooming in this time, you know, Mm -hmm. what's interesting. He says, Dr. King said, whenever the issue of compensatory treatment for us is raised, some of our friends, our friends recoil in horror. We should be granted equality. They agree. But we should ask for nothing more. And that's the interesting thing because, you know, now with this talk of reparations for the Mm -hmm. descendants of those who were enslaved, went through Jim Crow and some of the other horrors, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of folks like, yeah, yeah, but as long as we stop, you know, mistreating you, that should be enough.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, we had Barack Obama saying education is reparations.
0: No. See, what people are really afraid of is for African people. You know, Dr. John Henry Clark had a line. It's funny, but it's no joke. He says, African people, old world, nothing but an ass kicking. <laughs> okay. And my whole thing is, you know, I think divine retribution is what really scares people. That one day African people are basically going to go on a world ass kicking tour. And take no prisoners in the process. So it's kind of like. You know, it's coming. The question is when and how do I make sure that I'm not that generation who has to face it? Gotcha. Okay.
1: What well, you know, what um, Todd, and I appreciate what you're doing tonight, Todd. Salute to Todd. Brings in the circulating dollar theory has been highly scrutinized and debunked by Dr. Jared Ball when it comes to spending power, buying power. Now, that's the great thing. Um, when we talk about the circulation of a dollar, let me go back to what you know, the uh, prophet noble Drew Ali stated, right? Mm-hmm. He stated that when we keep the money within the sphere of our own activities where they will create further openings of business enterprises and wider opportunities for the men and women of our group Mm -hmm. to procure soundly remunerative employment, the spending, the, the, the circulating of our dollars longer and stronger. We're not really, really focused on the spending power Todd. That's, that's not what we're really kind of focused on, you know, focusing on, the more sinister portion of Obama talking and saying, No, he's not Ados. No, he's not FBA. But it, it wasn't spending power. There is no power in spending. No, it, and
0: and and see, this is what really chaps my ass when I hear folks want to criticize, but they've never studied any form of economic theory. Okay, real wealth and real power comes through production, not consumption. Okay, you know, and you have to excuse me. I was just listening to some of Dr. Amos Wilson before we came on tonight. Okay. So everything is about production. You can't consume your way into equality or freedom. Comes right. It comes through production. So this whole thing about quote unquote purchasing power, how do you aggregate that? To where it becomes real power like in my book okay i'm self-promoting uh (laughs) gospel gospel of afronomics (laughs) theology one of the things that i talk about is every black economic liberation theology must be built on a nucleus of culture history and spirituality and in one of my principles which i got from uh our elder dr george c Mm -hmm. fraser We want African people to be the number one employer of African people. Now, what Dr. Fraser said is that that's going to be a 100 year process because it's going to take the black business community to be at the forefront to solve that high unemployment issue, which means that uh, there has to be what I call an African centered entrepreneurial revolution, particularly amongst the
1: men. All right. Yeah. So as real as they come says, yeah, we need more entrepreneurs. You know what? You know, because I we talked, I think, I want to say two weeks ago, maybe three mm. weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, during the Kwanzaa celebration when we talked about the principle of Ujamaa, which says that we need to uh, build our own stores, shops and other businesses right. and profit from them together. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't saying we should spend money with each other. That wasn't Mm -hmm. the focus of that. It was saying we need to build our businesses. You know, we need to build our businesses because that's where true power comes from. And that's the same thing Dr. King was talking about. And the concept of, you know, the money circulating was to make sure that our businesses were viable so we can employ each other. Now, here's the interesting thing about communities. Mm. Those communities that self employ they don't have crime to the same degree. They don't have teenage pregnancy to the same degree. They don't have, um, they may have some domestic violence to the same degree. But crime and teenage pregnancy and lower achievement in the educational system doesn't happen in communities where they self-employ. Mm-hmm. And so we got to work on self-employment. Why are we still mm-hmm. talking about people like King that sold us out? Wow, so I, I think this is a troll. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> the name yeah. Cotton Picker tells me this might be a troll. I'm okay. going to leave that alone, man. I'm going to leave that. I'm like, huh? Yeah, I'm uh, going to yeah. leave that alone. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's some craziness out there, but check it. King said we must develop programs that will drive the nation to realization of the need for a guaranteed annual income. Okay. What are your thoughts on that, brother?
0: Now, see, now here's something that's really going to throw people, okay? And I don't know if we've had this conversation yet about UBI, Universal Basic Income. Uh, In some of the research that I've done, they've said that King was actually an advocate of UBI or what he calls Guaranteed Annual Income. Now, guess who else was an advocate for UBI along with King that you would never expect? Your former president, Richard Nixon,
1: not surprised at all.
0: Okay, and so, and I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, when King started advocating for uh, a UBI or a guaranteed annual income, and from, I would make the, I would make a guess that he hadn't fully thought it out yet but it was just something that was germinating in his mind. Okay, depending depending on when he put the quote out.
1: Okay, a uh, Cotton Picker says that Cotton Picker is no troll and RNSJ says that Dr. King worked for the CIA. That's That might be true, you know, <laughs> that might be true. But what we're not talking about right now are things that get us off course, mm. you know. You know, uh, someone earlier said, are we going to address the fact that, you know, you know, Don Teasey? Yeah. You know, salute to Don Teezy. He made some other great comments. But he started with, are we going to talk about Dr. King's nefarious situations with some of the uh, women that the government tried to hook him up with? We're not dealing with that tonight. We're, this is not a bash Dr. King night. This is, hey, this person was imperfect, but he left some good nuggets that we need to follow. This
0: yeah. is what this is about. You know, because I always say this, yeah, that tricky dicky, that Richard Nixon. <laughs> and and in fact, the, the actual date is August 15th, 1971, when he took the US dollar off the gold standard. So that, that was the actual date. Right. That's, now uh, th- th- that yeah. that's
1: that's not material to tonight's
0: conversation. Right. But but when we when we start looking at you know, like like what you were talking about with King, I always say when we look at uh folks in history, and this is what Dr. Wilson was saying you have to treat everybody like a Chinese buffet. Take the best, leave the rest.
1: Right. Okay? Hey, we gotta leave that N-word stuff alone. So look, stay on course,
0: right? So stay on course. So that's why I said, you know, what was the best that King left us with that we can continue to build on? Okay.
1: Well, you know, Dr. King said whites, it must frankly be said, are not putting in a mass effort to re-educate themselves out of racial ignorance. Mm-hmm. It is an aspect of their sense of superiority. Now, Man. I would say. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, w- I will let you say your point, but I would say we need to put in a mass effort to re-educate ourselves mm-hmm. out of our empowerment ignorance. What would you say?
0: Here's, and I'm going to take a page from Dr. Wilson, okay? What would it really benefit white folks? Because think about it. If you have a system of racism, white imperialism, okay? If you continue to benefit from it, what would you gain by helping to destroy it? If you were still a direct or indirect beneficiary of it? Okay, so when you look at how African and European people approach this thing, European people are trying to preserve it. African people are trying to dismantle it and overthrow it. So you're coming from two different paradigms. And that's why it says, I'm not really interested in trying to have allies who are trying to play both sides of the fence? Because I said, what would it really benefit white people to destroy the very system from which they continue to benefit?
1: That's intriguing. That's okay. That's intriguing. Okay. All right. That's that's an intriguing point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> King called the US government the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today. Any thoughts on that, brother?
0: Where did he lie? (laughs) I mean, where where did he lie? I mean, I've always said that America ain't nothing but a new Jack Rome. Kennedy said that it's a Pax Americana. How did America become who she was? Gangsterism, terrorism, and guerrilla pimping. (laughs) Give the three again, brother. I love it. I love it. Gangsterism, terrorism, and gorilla pimping.
1: Hey, I, I want to kind of switch the conversation for a moment. We have some yeah. other great comments that have come in. Um Cotton Picker says, I'm not here to bash the uh the elder, the ancestor rather. But today we as a people can do better. We need to reach the youth. Huh. So how can we reach the youth, man? Um, and, and, oh, You know what? That's a dumb question. Let me say this. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. How can we reach and teach the youth with the final messages from Dr. King? Because he was on code toward the end, right? We all mm-hmm. agree that he was on code toward the end. How so- can we reach them... <clears throat> And I know you're going to hold up your book and it has another oh, no, no, but, <laughs> he, <laughs> no, but... <laughs> you're
0: trying to sell your book. Here's well, no, wait, Here's, here's one thing that I think we have a nasty habit of doing. And this is what Dr. Amos Wilson says. We have uh, a thing that we, what he calls super okay? Where we continue to expect perfection from imperfect people. You know, one, one of the things that Brother Steve Coakley always said is that All of us have a propensity for error, but at the same time, okay, are we looking for perfection or are we looking for excellence? What are we really looking for here? And so this is where we have to really begin using history as a tool in terms of here are the things that we did well, here are our shortcomings, and I've always said this. For future generations, if you're going to make mistakes, make new ones. Don't repeat the same mistakes that your predecessors repeated. Hmm. So we have to begin to use history as a learning tool and not using it for ethnic
1: cheerleading. Ethnic cheerleading. All Mm -hmm. right. You know what? Uh, Cotton Picker, actually Cotton Picker, I, I called Cotton Picker a troll earlier. I'm taking that back. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, Cotton Picker is dropping some interesting comments in the into the archives. I appreciate you, Cotton Picker. Uh, so, no one is perfect, but he had to know what he was doing. So let's let's take it back. Cotton Picker said, "Well, original Skywalker, who do we trust? So many, who do we trust when many, when so many that look like us have betrayed us? You know, so so." I guess the question that is is coming up is if we're not bashing King for the way that King did some of his things in the beginning Mm. and if we're saying that at the end the damage had already been done Mm. and if we're saying that we're looking for perfection with imperfect people How do we get around this? this, These are some really new concepts because before I would, I would dare say when I mm -hmm. came up, we didn't disrespect or even question elders. Mm -hmm. And it was the conscious raising movement that really got me, you know, in the uh, 1980s when I was like, yo, some of this stuff is whack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some of this stuff was off code, you know, but now how do we, create the critical thinkers because you know, Dr. King changed over time. The Dr. King that was killed was not the Dr. King that started,
0: Hmm. you know? know, and, And I think also we, as African people, for whatever reason, we don't allow people to grow and evolve, okay? That's the that's the problem that I have is, and we we always want to look at, our we always want to look at people in a vacuum and not within the context of which they've had to operate.
1: Okay, that's that's intriguing. Okay, you, you, yeah, because when from, we look at Dr. King, like, you know, like like cotton picker and many of our our conscious people are doing, you know, because I went through my phase, you know, like what yeah. cotton picking, cotton picker, yeah, picker. What Cotton Pickett is saying are things that I said 15, 20 years ago when I was like, Dr. King was whack. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: but see, you here's know. the here's the thing, though. We don't want, and this is a, 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 a term that I've coined, okay? We don't want to become hotep hecklers, okay? And what I mean by that is, Critical thinking doesn't mean that you sit there and you nitpick, okay? The overall question is, okay, what can we take in terms of taking the best of and running with that and making sure that we don't repeat the mistakes that the predecessors uh, created?
1: You know what? that 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 kind of brings me to like with my Mm. father Mm, love Mm. my father right
3: Mm
1: -hmm. was a great man did a lot of great things for a lot of people but there were some times when i was like pops is off code Mm, mm -hmm. you know and i couldn't expect my father to be everything Mm -hmm. and what's interesting is when i look back you know look back upon my pops um and my mother as well but when i look back on my father there were times when he realized that he couldn't give me what I was searching for. So he introduced me to people, you know, he realized this cat is a little more, this dog, this guy is a little more militant than I am in my life right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, he bought me Farrakhan records. I'm you can tell I'm old school. I actually right. got the honorable minister Farrakhan records.
3: Mm, you know, okay. His
1: recordings were on records that you would you know I I was DJing with back in the day, you know. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. So he you know, he took me to see uh Farrakhan and some other stuff, but I'm saying he bought me he introduced me, you know, he bought me the autobiography of Malcolm X and the compendatory of Malcolm X where I was listening to all the tapes and reading mm-hmm. all the speeches. Right. You know? So he was like, you know, I know that I'm not <laughs> as militant as my son and revolutionary is my son needs for his development right now. Mm -hmm. So I got to take him to somebody else. I'm not a good chess player, so I had to take my son to a chess master. Mm -hmm. I can fight, but there's some people who can fight better. So I put my son in boxing and in martial arts so he could be better than I could, so he could protect me as I'm getting older. Right. So we're expecting, I can't expect my father to be everything. There was a time in my life when I did. Mm -hmm. And I scolded him and I was calling him, you know, different things because he wasn't everything. Mm -hmm. And now I realize he couldn't be everything. And I think in -hmm. many cases, that's what we've done with some of our so-called leaders.
0: Right. But see, your father. And this is where we have to give your father credit. He understood his shortcomings enough to where he says, "Okay." I'm short here, but let me find an expert here. So he was humble enough to know what his limitations were and to be able to seek, uh, I guess you will call them uh, what I call GMTs or Grandmaster okay. teachers, okay? That, that he pointed you to in other areas uh, of life, okay? And I think those elders who are transparent with their shortcomings, I think we can appreciate them more than those who try to present this facade of perfectionism. And then when they fall off that pedestal, many of us don't really know how to act. I mean, even Malcolm says, and I forgot who he told this to, but he says, look, if I am not in accordance with this book, meaning the Quran, you pull my coattail, okay? Okay. How many leaders do you know that would openly make that declaration to his followers?
1: Well, you know what? I want to bring that into today. Mm. I would say that all of us have the propensity to get off code. Check. And we need in our lives, uh, accountability partners and accountability coaches and consultants to stay on top of our game. Look, you know people say that uh, michael jordan was one of the best who ever did it michael mm-hmm. jordan always had a coach Okay, right so we all need our coaches and our advisors to stay on top of our game um mm-hmm. one of my my coaches is dr uh, venus opal and she dropped hey. an interesting interesting blog the other day that I wanted to kind of go through because i think it's kind of interesting okay All right. It says, I wish Dr. King hadn't dreamed. Hmm. Hear me out, please. A dream is fragile. It can be manipulated, subjugated, eradicated. A dream is vulnerable. It can be misappropriated, commercialized, weaponized. A dream is intangible. It can be manipulated, victimized, criminalized. A dream is a vision, something to strive for, but impossible to obtain. The striving requires endless effort, back-breaking work, soul-crashing sacrifice. For what? A dream? I can hear so clearly the hopes of the ancestors who marched, who sat, water hoses, police dogs, jail, all for a dream. Feed people hope when they have no power. Hope for something makes us brave. Dreams fuel the passion to march into the next generation so they can run. Vision is seeing what's not there as if it were. We sometimes call that faith, the substance of things hoped for that are unseen. Dr. King's dream was a vision, a prophecy of what equality could look like. For the audacity of that dream, he was beaten, arrested, and murdered. I wish Dr. King hadn't dreamed or at the very least not shared his dream with the world. If he hadn't, maybe his four little babies would not have been left fatherless. Perhaps he would have been alive to facilitate unity of labor unions on both sides of the color line. groomed a group of our leaders to teach the babies how to organize politically to impact legislation, not just visualization with marches taught us the value of spending power, as well as the power of our unity. I wonder if Dr. King had kept his dream to himself, would we even have the prison industrial complex? Or teen moms, melanated men who publicly hate melanated women, the crack academic, I wonder. If Dr. King had lived just 10 years longer, I believe his dream would have been translated into strategic actions that would have altered the course of human history. We would be living in an entirely different world if Dr. King had lived to make his dream a reality. I don't begrudge the dream. It has inspired the world in justice and continues to do so. I thank Dr. King for his dream and sacrifice such that I could speak, learn, live, and buy in the ways that Dr. King could not during his lifetime. I honor Dr. King's dream, his service, his sacrifice. I just wish he had lived long enough to fulfill it." And that's from uh, Dr. Venus Opal. Uh, Dr. Venus is one of my uh, mentors. It's it's interesting that she put that that way. I've really never thought about King and his legacy of the dream in that manner. What if he would have lived?
0: See, here's my problem with all of that, okay? Go back to King's last speech. There's a phrase in there where he says, I just want to do God's will. Not his, but God's will. So what King says, look, I'm not a leader. I'm just a servant of the people. Okay. But what God showed me was, regardless of the process, at the end, we will all get to sit in the VIP section of the club. Just save me a seat. Okay. And I think we forget that all of these heroes that we have are servants of the people, that they gave their lives for something greater than themselves. And so when we sit here, it's almost like we're still looking for somebody with an S on his chest or somebody else to do the dirty work. Okay. and Interesting. Interesting. And and so for me, it's like, okay, Malcolm's been gone for nearly 60 years, but there's a blueprint that he left us that we need to carry forward.
1: Right. Right.
0: Okay, King was beginning, even in that last speech, there was somewhat of a blueprint in there. Our job is not to ask for another King or ask for another Malcolm because do we even deserve another Martin or a Malcolm when we didn't even protect the ones that was given to us by the university ancestors in the first place? Okay, so let's stop begging the universe for messiahs and do messiah work.
1: If that makes, you know, any sense here. That makes a lot of sense. You know, (laughs) you know, Cotton Picker says it's crazy. The government kills them. Then we then makes us celebrate them. Are we even thinking for ourselves? You know, and not just are we thinking for ourselves? Are we doing for self? Mm. You know, that's what that was the the legacy and the lessons was due for self. And, And here's another thing. I always
0: ask the question, which is greater, the icon or the ideology? Icons come and go, but the ideology is what remains. And it's the ideology that we have to embrace, not hoping for another icon, but taking the ideology and building on the ideology. That's what we need to do. If we want to really honor Dr. King during this time, then what was his ideology? And how do we take the best of his ideology and apply it to modern times? Just like anyone else. So and, and especially at this stage of my life, I'm not I'm not in the business of being a hotep heckler. I'm really in the business of what did he leave? What was the best of what he left? And how do we make it applicable to what we're doing today? True that. Okay. That's that's really what it should be about. Is well, you
1: know, yeah. I, I, I want to kind of bring this to an end. We, you know, okay. go on an hour and 10 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. the it, it, Time flies when, you know, when Zoomie's talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm leaving some quotes by uh, Dr. King up, you know, one of his speeches mm. on the screen. But what I really want to do is go over your solutions, brother. You know, mm. uh, so be a $20 revolutionary. What's that about? Being a $20 revolutionary
0: says every week, make a $20 purchase from a Black-owned business establishment, be it brick and mortar or e-commerce. And what that does is now we get people into the habit of supporting our own establishments. Okay.
1: Got you. Um, Got you. Yeah. And what's the science of beef?
0: Uh, beef. Beef stands for business, economics, entrepreneurship, and finance. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that there were three sciences uh, people needed to master in order to have any sense of civilization. This is the first science that he mentions is what I call the science of beef.
1: Okay. Be a cop.
0: Uh, particularly for those who create uh, content or create information, be a creator, be an owner, and then being a protector of all of your intellectual property that you develop. Be a cultural tither. Being a cultural tither means this. A dime out of every dollar should go to a race-first or African-centered uh, institution that looks out for the well-being of the African world community. And whether you think it's a Nation of Islam, uh, UNIA, Moore Science Temple, Give a dime of every dollar to an African-centered or race-first organization.
1: I'll say that. I'll say that. And, you know, I also want to, uh, you know, I I really kind of get down with some of the political movements. One of the movements I'm saying now is we should demand something for our political resources, our votes. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, the uh, noble, the prophet, Noble Drew Ali, told us we have to stay involved in the affairs of men. We have to be involved in the affairs of men. I also mm-hmm. want to reiterate that, you know, we got to stay on code when it comes down to the way that we use our resources. Mm-hmm. Our plight will change. When we change ourselves. Uh, today, we've been talking about Dr. King. Today, we've been talking about Dr. King. Mm-hmm. But in talking about Dr. King, we've been talking about, our empowerment.
2: All I want to do is continue to empower the community through group economics. This is the fight of our time. The fight of my parents and my grandparents were, you know, sitting at the diner, making sure that the laws aren't blatantly against you in a very explicit way. The fight of our generation is economic empowerment. This is something that Malcolm X was strong on, especially near the end. This is something that Martin Luther King spoke about a lot, especially near the end of his life. Uh, economic empowerment is
1: our civil rights issue. What we—that's our issue. Mm-hmm. That's our issue. So let's wrap it up. I want to say peace to the family. I want to say uh, drink your water. I want to say stay on code. Uh, Show your book, good brother.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Gospel of Afronomics Theology. Uh, You can pick it up at any melanated bookstore or uh, Amazon. I'm working on the expanded edition of this, which uh, hopefully will be out if not this year, but early next year, 2024.
1: I say that I want to let people know that um, one of the things that I do is I help people who are real estate investors. So mm. here's an example of one of the properties that I helped an investor flip. And you know, mm. we can help you get the money to purchase the property. We can help you get the money to rehab the property, and then you can purchase property and <laughs> flip it. So if you're interested in doing that, hit me up. Love to work with you. Would love to work with you. So uh, let me take to our last comment. Mm. MLK said, we're going to get our check and that scared the government. Yep. Mm. (laughs) Hit the like button. Hit the like button and share this link. All right, Mm. y'all. Be at peace.